Welcome to the Seasonal Practice Podcast. It's our hope that by stepping into the rhythms offered to us by the Christian calendar, we can have fresh encounters with the living God. So if you've ever been curious about what the liturgical calendar or seasons are, or how you could more deeply engage them, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Seasonal Practice Podcast. This is our final installment of Lent 2023. That's right. We are here in Holy Week. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that is. But before we do that, I'd like to open us uh, with some scripture from Psalm 118. Psalm 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, we engage the forward direction this week. And just something about that, even that brief text showing us where we're headed in this holy week and not just this week but where all eternity and all of creation is headed uh to the glory of god forever um so i think it's an appropriate thing to do and this week does go somewhere it points somewhere and so we're going to look a little bit at that together and welcome our special guest kyle lake family life pastor at marceau bible church how's it going today it's good to be with you all yeah thanks for joining us So Tim and Kyle, in Holy Week, we call it Holy Week, but it really starts out on Maundy Thursday. Then we have Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and of course, Easter Sunday. Can you tell us a bit more about those days and and what they mean, what we recognize on those days? Yeah, I'll take a crack at uh, Maundy Thursday, which of course, I'm not alone growing up in the tradition thinking, how is Monday and Thursday one day? which is what I thought for a good 20 years, maybe, maybe 10. I don't want to embarrass myself. But, uh, you know, Maundy Thursday, we get this word Monday, which is, uh, comes from the Latin word mandatum, which is, as you would think, mandate or commandment, where Jesus gives the new commandment, uh, which is part of what we rehearse each week in the Eucharist as we look to the Passover meal, right? So we say, on the night when Christ was betrayed, he gathered his disciples. Uh, he said, this is the new commandment, the new new promise, new covenant in my blood. So that's that's where we get uh, that as we rehearse that part of the story weekly. And it's traditionally when Jesus gathered his disciples for the Last Supper and kind of sets all these Holy Week events into motion. Yeah, and one of the traditional practices for that particular day is the washing of feet as well as we remember when the disciples and Jesus gathered for that sacred meal, uh, Jesus washed their feet. And much to the protest of some of his disciples, particular Peter, uh, but Jesus was demonstrating them through the fullness of his character, but also God's revelation as uh, the beautiful passage in Philippians says, right? That he, he emptied himself and uh, became a human being, became a man and took on the form of a slave or a servant. And we really see that reflected in that day. Kyle or Tim, um, do either of you know if the washing of the feet is something that is practiced in church communities regularly during Holy Week? I, I would imagine it is. I think so. I, I, we have a mutual friend who's doing their uh, doctoral dissertation around, uh, around some of that work. So we should ask them and maybe come back in a later episode. But yeah, I, I believe it's still practiced in a number of traditions. So after Monday, Thursday, we go into Good Friday. Yeah, and Good Friday is uh, 
really sort of kicks off these festivities of uh, the kind of the enthronement and the glory of of Jesus Christ. Um, we really think about how uh, it's sort of the culminating moment in some ways of what began on Palm Sunday, uh, of Jesus riding into Jerusalem uh, on a humble and meek donkey and coming in to the shouts of praise, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, uh, Hosanna in the highest. And this expectation and anticipation of, of what was going to come of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem and uh, these messianic expectations of who Jesus would be for the people of Israel uh, and in the land of Israel. And, and so uh, Good Friday really takes sort of this sideways turn in some ways uh, related to people's expectations for uh, the one who is supposed to be enthroned and to liberate and free the people from their oppressors uh, is now the one who is uh, carrying a cross uh, bloodied and bruised uh, from uh, beatings from the Roman Imperial Guard uh, to Mount Calvary and is then uh, lifted up and in some ways uh, demonstrates, again, a different kind of enthronement a different kind of one coming to uh, his place of glory, uh, not one that is uh, that is from a seat of power, but from a seat of weakness. And so, yeah, Good Friday is, uh, is good, not because of uh, the execution that took place, but it's good because of what it represents, uh, because of uh, God in God's grace and mercy and love coming into human form and bringing God's plan of salvation to its, uh, its sort of culminating moment here. So after Good Friday, we move into Holy Saturday. And I think for me, this one's always kind of a mystery. I'm not sure how we practice, what exactly it means. So can you, can you both continue to enlighten us? Because this has been really helpful. Yeah, I think I've seen, at least in popular... Christian culture, kind of a resurgence of understanding and appreciation for this, right? It's not this rushing to Easter. We don't leave Good Friday service and all of a sudden start cracking open eggs and candies, right? I mean, there's a sense of, of waiting and mourning and connecting with uh, the disciples who all is shattered, all is lost. You know, there's there's that. And then there's also um, in the in the Christian tradition and in the the imagination is what what is Christ up to? You know, we say in the creed that he, he uh, descended to hell um, and does this rescuing work, this this taking all that is is dead and bringing it back to life and kind of roaring up through the grave the next morning on Easter. So those are a couple of things that come to mind immediately for me. How about you, Kyle? Yeah, I, I think in some ways. Uh, Holy Saturday really reflects the the state and the existence of the Christian Church as living between uh, Jesus' death and resurrection and His coming again. Right there is this something has happened, um, something uh, something has come to fruition in Jesus' death, but then we we are still in this sort of already not yet space of waiting and anticipating his coming again 
um, and longing for it. Uh, and so with the world, we, we grieve uh, where we are at, just as the disciples, uh, as Jesus was in the grave, they grieved. And, and we have the benefit of sort of the, the hindsight or, or sort of the knowledge that Jesus will come again. Jesus did rise from the dead. Um, and so maybe our posture is a little bit of a little bit different than the disciples, but in some ways we enter into that space of mourning and waiting and grief uh, as we we wait upon God to act once again. And so I think in some ways that's that's a central theme to that Holy Saturday is waiting on God to act uh, in our lives and in our world. Beautiful. And then we shift to Easter which is the culmination, the celebration. It is the time when the, the promise, I mean, there is, like you said, Kyle, both already and not yet reality, but we, we live as fully as we are able into the promise of eternal and resurrected life in Jesus. And so we have uh, been journeying through the Lord's Prayer, and we have this line which points our way to Easter, right? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So would you mind just giving us, how does that sit with us at this point in our Lenten journey? And then how do we practice our way through this week in light of our journey through the prayer journal? Yeah, this uh, this last little bit, if you look up the Lord's Prayer, either in Matthew or Luke, it it generally doesn't appear in the text itself. It's maybe in a footnote, because uh, what scholars have noted is it's, it's not in some of the earliest manuscripts. Um, it doesn't come until later. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't a part of the original sort of Lord's Prayer, uh, one that Jesus taught his disciples. It just doesn't appear in the manuscript. So um, it, it often gets footnoted in, in that way. But I think this, this last little bit really does reflect this final journey of holy week right of jesus coming into jerusalem uh of jesus washing his feet revealing and demonstrating once again who he is to not only his disciples but to the entire world and then uh as sort of the gospel of john often um, sort of points to this moment of jesus death and resurrection is the moment of of Jesus being revealed as the world's true Lord and King. This is the the moment when Jesus is enthroned. And so, as uh, as Jesus' followers and disciples now, uh, when we pray this final line, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, uh, we, we are drawn back to remember uh, that it's God's kingdom and not ours, right? Um, that God is... King Jesus is king, uh, as my uh, four-year-old son likes to remind the family often. Uh, Jesus is the boss, as he likes to say. Uh, Jesus is king, and and that I think that is the picture of this final little bit of of the Lord's prayer, and it, it presents this contrast, right? As we examine and look back on all of Jesus' life, right? Um, this contrast of uh, the power is not in Rome, but it's in Bethlehem. It's not uh, in the place of government, but it's in the place of the, the meager manger, right? It's not the one riding uh, the war horse into Jerusalem, but the one riding the donkey mild and meek. Uh, 
uh, and it's the one who was crucified and resurrected. Uh, and, and so God's power uh, looks different than how we imagine and see the power of the world and the rulers of the world. And so invites us to look for ways that God shows up differently in our lives and in our world. And uh, summons us, uh, as we did earlier in Lent, to confess the ways that we have pursued other kingdoms, uh, kingdoms that are not in alignment with the kingdom of God, uh, ways that our hearts have gone astray, where uh, we've had uh, affections for things other than than sort of the uh, the kingdom of God in our lives. And it invites us to remember our own baptisms, that in our own baptism, uh, we uh, we are invited and uh, beckoned by God's Spirit to uh, to have different desires and different passions and to live into a different kind of kingdom. And, uh, and so in some ways, this sort of doxology at the end, this praise uh, calls us back to that. Uh, and and it continues on, right? Not only about power, but glory, right? That uh, we as Christians point not to ourselves, but we point to God, much like John the Baptist bearing witness in the wilderness, pointing to Jesus, uh, the one whom I am unworthy to untie, even the um, the thong of his sandal is uh, is the role that we as Christians take uh, as as people who live on this side of the resurrection. That we bear witness to uh, the glory of God revealed in Jesus Christ, uh, and so we live uh, as Christ disciples, not for our own gain or our own um, joy or benefit, but for the sake of of God and God's glory. And then, of course, may this be true forever and ever, right? Uh, this sort of culminating statement of, uh, yes, may this be so uh, now and forevermore, which uh, is a great way to end the Lord's Prayer. And so uh, the invitation of the, the prayer journal for this week is really to not do any new practices, but to examine and to to pray this particular doxological line in light of the practices that we've already had uh, throughout Lent, whether it's adoration, whether it's gratitude, whether it's confession, uh, whether it's seeking the Lord daily. Uh, these sorts of things uh, can be discovered and and um, and utilized, I think, in light of this final part of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, absolutely. I love also the connection to rehearsing the story. We're also rehearsing these practices again. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Before we head out, would you be willing to close us with a blessing or a prayer for the week ahead? Yeah, let's pray. God, we give you abundant thanks and praise for you have revealed yourself in your son jesus christ a one who enters into jerusalem to the sound of cheers and days later goes to the cross with jeers and so may uh, we as your faithful servants 
we who long to live as your kingdom people. May you awaken in us a desire to praise you and to bless you and to live into your kingdom and not ours. May we be attentive to the ways that your spirit is moving in us in our world this week. And may we be a people who live with great hope. Uh, for we know where the story is headed, and we know the power of the resurrection. And so we pray these things uh, with that trust and with that anticipation that you will one day come again to make things all right. And we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on this Lenten journey. Um, may your Easter be a wonderful, joyful celebration and practice well. <laughs>